0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 24 of the Pitched Contact podcast. I'm your host Ben Jones of Twinkytown and for the first time this season I'm not joined by my co-host John. Uh, John is off on a well-deserved vacation this week and so I'll be coming to you solo. This is a little different for me. I've never done a solo pod before but uh, John won't be here to filter all of my crazy takes for you so I'll apologize in advance. Uh, But It'll be a little fun, a little different, but let's get into it. We're going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to go through uh, our weekly recap. We'll go through any big news and notes, and there were some big ones this week. Uh, You won't get John's detailed pitching analysis that he likes to bring you, but I will do my best to uh, fill in the blanks nonetheless. So before we get into that, just one more reminder that you can follow our podcast on Twitter. You can follow us at Twins TwinsTalkPod. You can follow myself at Ben Jones underscore five, and you can follow John at the John Kuh. And again, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We always appreciate all the subscriptions, all the listeners, and all the reviews that you leave us, so please make sure that you do that. Today, like I said, we're going to be recapping the Guardian series at the start of the week and then the Ranger series here at the end. Um, so to kick that off, let's do our weekly snapshot here. So the Twins went 3-3 three and three on the week. They lost 2-3 of three to the Guardians and then won 2-3 over the Rangers, which was great. Um, it, a good rebound there after kind of the disappointment coming off of that Cleveland series, really seeing things turn around. And I think also seeing the fight that we saw in those games later in the week too was something that's really encouraging. And since we have three more right again against the Guardians starting tomorrow, or today when you guys are listening— This will be, uh, I think, a good playoff preview, a good way to see the Twins as we're moving forward. Um, After all that, they're 71 and 66. They're still uh, five games over 500. They've been at that six-game mark a few times this year, and they can't quite get past six games over 500 for whatever reason. But after all that, they're still five games ahead of Cleveland, right? So we're coming into this series the exact same spot we were when we left them last week, uh, which is good. We didn't lose any ground. They also... uh, took two out of three from the Rays. And so both teams are playing some pretty good ball right now and it'll make for a really good series this week that I'm excited for.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability
0: is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart.
1: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: So let's get into the game recaps. Let's start with the Cleveland series, as always, uh, from the very beginning of the week. And this was a 10-6 win for the Twins, their best game of the series by far. They were hitting, their pitching played well enough, especially the bullpen, which played very well. Uh, But again the only game they won of this series but it came with a good offensive outburst led by royce lewis with his grand slam another grand slam for royce which was excellent to see and then matt Wallner added a homer of his own in the third inning off of lefty daniel norris jorge polanco hit a towering one off of norris a three-run shot and that pretty much put the game out of reach from there for the guardians and The bullpen shut it down. On the pitching side, Kentamaeda, he started to show some signs of fatigue these last few starts. Uh, We talked before about how he's maybe going to be moving to the bullpen for the playoffs, and this is another reason why, right? He's coming off of that major surgery. He's 35. He just doesn't quite look as sharp as he had all season, and same thing with his second start that he had this week. But he put in four innings. He gave up six runs. When he left, the Twins had the lead, so it's not the end of the world. Uh, We also got our debut of Cody Funderburk, longtime friend of the pod here fan favorite of john uh he was added to the roster the day before and made his debut and pitched two scoreless innings striking out three and did basically exactly what we thought he would looking at his triple a numbers he's fastball slider he's gonna stick with that and he's really good at it and uh yeah it was a really good debut here from thunder which is good given his not so great performance later in the week Uh, Josh Winder came in to finish out the last three innings going three scoreless. Another good scoreless outing here from Winder with the classic three inning save, saving the bullpen from having to uh, pitch those innings. But three innings, didn't give up a hit, didn't walk anybody, struck out one. Uh, Much better, more consistent performance we've gotten from Winder the last few weeks. You know, I don't think he's going to be putting in, be put into any high leverage spots anytime soon. But Uh, A good, solid, long relief guy is always welcome, especially someone who's an upgrade on Cole Sands, which, uh, you know, is a story there by itself. Going into game two here, uh, this was the first loss for the Twins in the series. They lost 4-2 to the Guardians. The Twins offensively here just came up a little bit flat. Uh, Kind of expected with Gavin Williams, one of their really good rookies going. But the surprising part here was he only went one inning before he had to be removed uh, with some discomfort. It ended up not being anything serious. He's going to start against the Twins this next week. But, uh, you know, you never want to see anybody hurt. But Hunter Gaddis came in after him, pitched three very good innings. Uh, Sam Henches, Minnesota native, pitched two scoreless after that. And then uh, Trevor Steffen, Nick Sandlin, and Emmanuel Clase shut it down from there. The excellent Cleveland bullpen just kind of shut stuff down, even after their starter had to leave early, which was pretty uh, disappointing. Uh, you really want that to be a game where you can take advantage of, you know, something going wrong, something they didn't have in the plans, but they just really uh, weren't able to at all in this game. Royce Lewis homered again, which was a good sign. Michael A. Taylor hit his 20th. Uh, He's on the IL currently, but before this, there was a legitimate chance that he could have led the team in homers at this point. I think he'll uh, miss some games that will make him lose that lead, but still crazy that the Twins are in first place and Michael A. Taylor is probably either going to be first or second on the team in home runs at the end of the year. Just... A a crazy showing, a great pickup from the Twins, right? Obviously, the offense is not what you were expecting, but the 735 OPS is about league average. That's excellent. And then he's playing his typical great center field defense. It hasn't been that way recently with the hamstring injury, but the hope is uh, with him on the injured list now, he'll be able to rest, heal up, come back, and look more like his old self defensively, uh, which was really good to see. Uh, Again, not that much to talk about offensively here, but it was a decent start from Pablo Lopez, uh, you know, the Twins' ace of the staff. He went six innings. Gave up eight hits, three runs. He walked three. He only struck out five. Again, this is kind of what we've said with Pablo over and over this year, where even his bad starts tend to not be disasters. You know, that's what you really like to see. There wasn't an implosion here. There wasn't, you know, Sonny Gray in the sixth inning, suddenly giving up five hits and three runs all at once. It was scattered throughout, and he pitched pretty well, uh, all things considered. Emilio Pagan came in in the... uh, came in in the seventh here and gave up a run to push the Guardian's lead up to two. Uh, but it's been a little bit concerning from Pagan where he's looked a little bit more like his old self. He's given up hard contact. You know, Right after he's had this really good, really month, two-month-long stretch of being excellent, he's fallen back a little bit at a time where the Twins need that higher leverage Reliable role. I don't think it's the end for him. I think, you know, we're still seeing that elevated uh, fastball that's been performing better, and his cutter especially has been performing better, Uh, but still a few signs of concerns. Cole Sands closed it out from there. Not really anything to write home about, just some mop up duty trying to save the Twins bullpen for the next game. So on to game three, the rubber match with the series tied 1 1, and the Twins had a very good chance to win this, not because they had another great offensive game, mostly just because the Guardians couldn't really score. Uh, Sonny Gray was absolutely excellent here. He went seven innings. He struck out five. He was super efficient his whole way through. It was a really good early season type of performance from Sonny who's gone deeper into games and uh, really given the Twins some longer, reliable innings when they needed it. Even through those seven innings, he only threw 81 pitches, but in the uh, the seventh there, he was really starting to struggle with his command. You know, guys were getting to him a little bit more. And so they rightly removed him. And again, as we're getting towards the end of the season here, they still have a five game lead on the division. They still have 95% chance to make it into the playoffs. So you're not trying to overwork guys right now when you don't need to, because you've got to be thinking towards, uh, the October baseball unfortunately after that this is where the bullpen kind of collapsed a bit griffin jacks came in he threw two-thirds of an inning and gave up a run which wasn't great to see uh he's kind of continued a shaky trend recently Thielbar came in and finished up that inning but then duran came in in the ninth inning with the twins up by one and just again wasn't sharp right he wasn't terrible but He gave up a run. He let the game get into extras when when really they needed to win it there. And that really would have been the nail in the coffin for the Guardians on the season. Rather than it being a five-game lead at the end of this series, it would have been seven. And it probably would have impacted uh, their roster moves that they made the next day after this game if they were able to put them away like the Twins wanted to. But the the real concerning thing here for Duran was he was facing uh, Bo Naylor with runners on second and third. There were two outs. He had two strikes. He just had to get this last strike and the game would be over. The Twins would move on. They'd have a seven-game lead. All would be good. But he threw the two-strike pitch in the dirt behind Bo Naylor. Like it wasn't anywhere close. Just completely lost the grip. And this was the second time we see him do something like this in a big moment. Just lose the grip on a pitch when you just really needed that one pitch to get out of it. And that's the thing that's really concerned me. You know, uh, there's been lots of people that have looked in Duron, into Duran. What's going on? Is he doing something different? It didn't really seem like he had been. His stuff still looks really good, but it's just something's not quite there. And he's had a li- really long run here of not looking like himself. And the hope is that um, you know we're able to get him back to that because while he's been okay, the Twins need him to be elite, not just good. Uh, That's an important part of their bullpen hierarchy. The most important part of the bullpen hierarchy is uh, Duran being able to come in and just completely shut teams down. Uh, Unfortunately, after that, when it went into extras, that's when things kind of got lost a little bit. The Guardians were able to score three in the 10th. Two of those off of Pagan, one of them being the Manford man. So, you know, not necessarily Pagan's fault. And then finally, to really, uh, to really, put the uh, game out of reach. There actually hadn't been any runs given up yet, but there were runners on first and second. And Rocco removed Pagan in favor of Funderburk with the lefty Cole Calhoun coming up. Calhoun hadn't hit lefties great for his career, but had been hitting pretty well that season. And so, um, you know, you, you get... You get it coming from the lefty-lefty matchup and wanting to get the platoon advantage. But Funderburk in his second game, uh, the first pitch he through to Cole Calhoun out of the zone, second pitch out of the zone, third pitch out of the zone. It's 3-0. Uh, Funderburk just gives Calhoun a fastball right down the middle. And Calhoun puts it into the right field bleachers and puts the game pretty much out of reach for the Twins. Uh, very disappointing there where they were one out away. I get going for the platoon advantage, but I think it would have been better just to let Pagan in, uh, or let Pagan stay in, let him throw, and just see if he can get something done. Um, And it's disappointing, you know, the bullpen kind of threw away this game, but at the same time, they only scored two runs, right? If that number is four or five, well, we never even get to extras in the first place anyway. And so, you know, it's easy to lay all the blame on the shoulders of Duran, Pagan, Funderburk, Jax, but... Uh, you know, I, I think this is really another loss that falls on the offense. The good news is we've been seeing fewer and fewer of these games as the week has gone on. And so, or as the year has gone on in the second half, especially with the emergence of Julian and Royce Lewis and Matt Wallner, the rookies have really been carrying the offense and the Twins have been playing really, really well, which has been great to see. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting that to be the usual. And sure enough, come the next series, the Twins bounce back almost immediately. I think once you're coming off that, Really disappointing, you know, really somber uh, loss that they had there. Uh, Aaron Gleeman, Dan Hayes, Dohyung Park, all of the great beat riders the Twins have, they were all talking about how, uh, you know, the mood in the locker room wasn't super great. And so I think a lot of people were worried that they would come out flat in this series, but that was not the case at all. Game one against the Rangers. The Twins took a 5-1 victory and this was the big return to form for Joe Ryan. Uh, he went 6 innings, he struck out 7, he didn't walk anybody, he only gave up 3 hits and only gave up one home run. It was to former Twin Mitch Garver, which will be a theme in this series, but still only giving up the one home run, that was the problem that had plagued Joe Ryan for so long and this is such a big uh emergence for the team where Obviously, down the stretch, you want Joe Ryan at his best. But again, looking towards the playoffs, you have your game one and two starters and Pablo Lopez and Sonny Green, whatever order you decide to do that. But that game three was really up for debate. And if Joe Ryan is able to look like he was uh, in the first half and he's established as that third starter, the Twins are going to be in a really, really good position come playoff time. But with the games you have in front of you, all you can do is win them. And Joe Ryan did exactly that uh he was followed by jack steelbar and duran all of whom did not give up any base runners really great to see from jackson duran especially having those clean innings which they hadn't had in quite a long time on the offensive side this was a great game here from jorge polanco Uh, he hit a big two-run home run in the eighth to put the twins up uh 5-1 and of course You can't go here without mentioning uh, Christian Vazquez and Jordan Luplo. Jordan Luplo with a big pinch hit, two run home run. Christian Vazquez with a solo shot uh, that gave the Twins the lead after not scoring the entire game up till that. Uh, This is kind of the theme for how it went this series for the Rangers, where they had these bullpen blowups over and over again. And we saw that last week when we played them as well. But the Twins just came in really ready to to hit. They got dominated, frankly, by Max Scherzer through the first six. But, you know, it's Max Scherzer for the Twins who strike out so much. That's not entirely unexpected, even when Max Scherzer is in this later stage of his career. But still, great performance here, a great job here from the offense to battle back and really fight back, which was the thing that I was saying at the top of the pod here with Um, You know, them getting shut down by the starters early on in every one of these games, the fact that they battled back in every single one speaks a lot towards the mentality of this team and how much more mentally strong they've looked now compared to the first half where, you know, first half if the Twins get shut out by six through six by Max Scherzer. They're not coming back. They're not going to score. Maybe they pull in one, but you know they're not going to hit three home runs in the seventh and eighth. That's just not going to happen. And so this was an excellent, excellent comeback after that really disappointing uh, loss against Cleveland. Game two was more of the same for the Twins. They got out to an early deficit here with uh, Texas scoring two, or sorry, Texas scoring quite a few here early on. Uh, Dallas Keuchel was on the mound and just looked like Dallas Keuchel right this time the hard contact finally got to him there was nothing the twins could do that uh was going to stop this this was inevitable right he's gotten really really lucky and you know he he's here to eat innings essentially give bailey ober a break but dallas keuchel is just not a major league caliber starting pitcher at this point uh for anything beyond just eating innings and so this is why you stack it up this way so that he's not playing the guardians in the game that really matters uh but he went three and a third he gave up five hits five runs two home runs he did strike out two which was crazy uh and then he walked one but again this is just not what you want to see from dallas keichel the hard contact and this time uh the hard contact ending up in the seats other than, you know, last week when he pitched against the Rangers, he pitched those five scoreless innings. He still got hit really hard. It's just the hard hits happened to find gloves. This time the Rangers made sure that they did not. The bullpen deserves another shout out here for pitching really well. Uh, Dylan Floro, Cody Funderburk, Josh Winder, Griffin Jack, Caleb Thielbar, uh, and Brent Hedrick all went scoreless here. Duran and Pagan each gave up runs, but they were, uh, Pagan's was an earned run. He walked three. It wasn't his best performance, but Duran's was the uh, Manfred man that scored. So not a huge deal on their part. But um, again, the Twins coming back here, the big deal was the offense. They were able to come back from that five, nothing deficit. They scored one in the third and then five in the fourth to put them up uh, six to five. The Rangers came back with, one in the bottom of the fourth tied at, uh, to, sorry, this was a 6-4 at that point, then 6-5. they scored one more in the eighth. That was the one off of Pagan to tie the game at six and then push it into extras where the Twins were able to score three in the top of the 10th to put the game away and secure the win. This was also the Twins' uh, major league leading 12th extra inning uh, win, which is pretty incredible. They've played very well in extras, even though I feel like sometimes it doesn't. Uh, feel that way. I think maybe there's a little bit of hangover from last year where they played so poorly in those extra inning games to start the season. They started like 0-8 or something like that. And they've played very well beyond that. But I do feel like there has been a few times of lack of execution. This was not the case in the 10th, which was great to see. Some uh shout outs here on the offense, obviously scoring nine runs. Donovan Solano went four for five. Uh he added in a home run, his fifth of the year really important there off of the lefty Jordan Montgomery, where you're just expecting them to get shut down. Donovan Solano is going to be batting right in the middle or at the top of the lineup against the lefty. And if he's able to do this, obviously uh, there's not going to be any complaints here. The crazy part is uh, they scored the nine runs and there were only two extra base hits. It was Solano's home run and then a two run double by Michael A. Taylor. And so Uh, This was also the game where Taylor's hamstring flared up. He had to be removed early and was unable to finish the game. He's on the injured list now. But again, the hope I think is that it's a minimal stay. He'll be able to come back and play soon, uh, which is great. But... Um, uh, again, Donovan Solano just really carried the offense here. Carlos Correa had a two hit night and then, uh, Ryan Jeffers drove in a couple along with Michael A. Taylor. So really a group effort here. There wasn't uh, you know, one guy that really shouldered the load as much as we've seen in the past, but really, really good offensive performance here against the lefty, which is, you know, not many times we've been able to say that so far this season. And then the last game of the series was a little bit more disappointing, but again, another game where the Twins got off to an early deficit and were able to fight back. Uh, it was Kent Maeda once again on the mound, and he gave up an early three-run home run to former Twin Mitch Garver, who hit four home runs in seven games against the Twins this year, and just revenge tour, I guess, for Mitch Garver. Uh, but of course, with him, the question has never been, uh, his bat, his bat has always been good since his breakout in 2019. It's just been health, and that's been the thing for him again this year. You know, Mitch Garver seems like a cool dude. Uh, you know, it's been really good to see him continue to play well for Texas. But uh, yeah, just wanted to stay healthy and play well, and you know, ideally in the future, not play well against us. So, um, but yeah, he hit that three three run home run in the first. Uh, The Twins were down 3-0, and then they scored three in the fifth, thanks to another clutch home run from Royce Lewis, who had a monster game today. He went three for five. He scored two runs. He drove in four. He hit that home run. He also stole a base on top of everything else. So really great performance here from Royce, and just exactly what you want to see from a number one overall pick, right? I still think there's a little bit of this that's unsustainable. I still want to see some better uh, plate discipline, some more walks. But as of right now, he's doing everything you possibly could have asked. And he's literally elevated the offense to the point where you feel really confident with him coming up in these big spots. And yeah, he he was excellent. Jorge Polanco took three walks today. That was great to see. Carlos Correa had a bit of an up and down game where he had three hits. He drove in a run uh, when the Twins really needed it. But, um, you know, kind of the story of this game, the reason the Rangers even had a chance to walk it off was just lack of execution when the Twins could have added on more. Uh Christian Vasquez came up quite a few times with runners on base. He left eight on by himself, including a strikeout with the bases loaded. And Carlos Correa, uh when the twins really had a chance to add on and cement their lead in the eighth inning there, grounded into a double play with the bases loaded and uh one out to just completely kill. That rally—it's his league-leading 29th double play. It's a Twins record 29th double play. He's on pace for I think 35 double plays on the season at this point. The all-time record in the MLB in MLB for ground for GIDPs is 36. So He's going to fall a little bit behind that, but man, it's just been a rough look. But outside of that double play, he played very well. There was uh, a play defensively in the eighth inning where he saved a run and basically on a slow chopper there's a runner on third and you know that strong arm that we've seen over and over again literally saved a run uh, by just being able to beat the runner by half a step and so there's always the bad this year with Correa but the good, especially the good recently where he's picked it up a bit in the second half, has seemed to offset it a bit. The big thing for him, like we've been talking about with the pitchers, is what can we do to get him right once we're coming into the playoffs? Carlos Correa, historically one of the best playoff performers. He's seventh all time in MLB playoff home runs, which is just incredible, right? He's played so many playoff games. And once he gets there, he just tends to have a spot here in the big moments. And so I think if we're able to close out Cleveland here at the in this series and just really finish them off, put them to sleep. We're going to see Carlos Correa start to get some more rest and deservedly so. Uh you know, that plantar fasciitis has been bothering him all season. I think we've really seen it with his offensive performance. His defense hasn't really suffered, but offensively he just has not looked like the player he's been last year. It's by far the worst series or the worst season we've seen out of him in his entire career. I have full faith he'll be able to bounce back in the future, but for right now um, I think he could use some rest down the stretch. Uh, the other problem here was with the bullpen pretty gassed from the previous game with the Cleveland series coming up. the uh, is basically the bullpen B squad on rotation. They pitched uh, Cole Sands, Cody Funderburk, and Josh Winder out of the bullpen. Cole Sands went two and gave up two runs, let the Rangers kind of come back and tie it. Funderburk. Uh, Pitched one scoreless. He looked pretty good, only gave up a hit. And then Josh Winder only faced one batter. That was Adelise Garcia in the bottom of the ninth who put his uh, first bat he the first batter of the game put the home run into the left field seats and walked it off for the rangers uh prior to that he had actually struck out four times and so it was really funny where you saw this big moment the sigh of relief and then it goes viral all over baseball twitter of like wow Adley garcia he's so cold he's swagging out his home run I'm like no he's like breathing a sigh of relief because he finally got a hit after striking out four times previously anyway Uh, It's not the end of the world. I was a little questioning the uh, pitch selection there by Winder and Vasquez where uh, the two previous pitches were also fastballs and... Garcia was right on them and just fouled him back. You could tell by his like maneuvering by his body that he felt like he had just missed him. And then the third one, it wasn't a bad pitch, but he was just sitting right on it and just put it in the seats. It would have been nice to see Winder go to the slider there uh, or just something off speed to catch him off, but they just stuck with the fastball. And you know just give credit to Garcia. He's one of the best hitters in the American League. He's an all-star for a reason. He leads the uh, entire American League in RBI and he showed why. At the end of the day, uh, it's a loss. It's not the end of the world. I think the most important thing here is the Twins were able to escape without using any of their higher leverage relievers, uh, unless you want to maybe count Thunderbird as part of that, but I don't think they would. So again, it's a loss. It's a loss. The Twins would like to have back because they could have won, but they get out of it, taking two out of three from Texas at Texas, really fighting back in all of these games, which was an excellent, excellent, excellent thing to see from the players. Uh, and from the offense especially, who we've seen them just fall behind early and uh, just not be able to battle back. And seeing that, again, was really, really good. So next week, we're coming up on the Cleveland series. I've been hammering it home. I'm going to keep hammering it home. This is the one, right? If you can take two out of three from the Guardians, that's probably it. That's a wrap. That'll put them at, uh, let me do some quick math in my head. That'll put them at six games out with uh, I think they would have 22, 21 games remaining. And that's a really, really tough deficit, especially considering the fact that the Twins down the stretch here have series with uh, the Rockies and the A's. You know, it's the uh, they still have to play the Rays and the Reds, but the rest of their series, they play the Angels as well. They, they should, you know, win those series fairly easily. And the Guardians, you know, they don't have a super tough schedule by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it's not going to be, as easy as the twins and so if you're able to take these two uh games you're really going to put yourself in a good position let alone if you sweep sweep them now the nice thing too we said this last week is even if you lose all three to cleveland you're still in first place right this isn't going to be a situation like last september where you have those series against cleveland and all of a sudden you're completely out of it um for whatever reason, they have not played well against the Guardians, they, and there's a reason behind that. They have really good starting pitching, all those rookies that they have coming out. They have uh very good bullpen that's been uh, enhanced, which I'll talk about in a second here, but all in all, these are winnable games. They're games you have to take, and you have the Twins' three best pitchers on the mound in Lopez, Gray, and uh, Joe Ryan, and they lined it up that way on purpose, right? The Twins are treating this like a playoff series, and they should, so they can put an end to the Guardians once and for all and really start thinking towards October. Um, On the Guardians side, we'll see Lucas Giolito, the uh, newly acquired Guardians pitcher, who has not been very good this year, even worse since being traded to the Angels. So we'll see what he looks like with Cleveland, if Cleveland can work a little bit more of their magic. Uh, And then they'll play... Tanner Bybee in game two and Gavin Williams in game three. Bybee, uh, you know, he's one of the front runners for American League Rookie of the Year. I think Gunnar Henderson has that wrapped up, but if he doesn't, it may very well be Bybee as he has a 301 ERA, uh, which is incredible for a rookie. The Cleveland pitching machine is just, they keep on pumping out aces and I don't really get how, but credit to them for being able to do that. All right, a couple last news and notes here before we wrap up. Uh, Let's talk about the Guardian's waiver claim. So we already mentioned Lucas Giolito. This whole thing came about because the Angels basically are like, hey, we're going to lose Shohei Otani in the offseason more likely than not. We're over the luxury tax. With the new luxury tax rules, if Shohei Otani goes to a new team and they're over it, their compensatory pick that they would get for Shohei would fall after the fourth round versus if they get under the luxury tax, it would fall after the second round. And that's the whole thing behind this here is they're trying to get better draft pick for when they almost definitely lose Shohei Otani. And so they put five really good, really quality players, uh, many of which the twins tried to claim on waivers were unable to get, but basically paid. Place them on waivers with the explicit intention of trying to get that payroll down so they can get under the luxury tax. Uh, the Twins were in a pretty good position to potentially get these players because, you know, they unfortunately haven't been playing that well. So among the contenders, they are towards the bottom. Unfortunately, there's a few other guys that are below them, starting with the Cleveland Guardians. So the Angels put uh, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Matt Moore, Uh, Who else was there? There was Randall Grichuk and Hunter Renfro all on waivers. The Yankees put Harrison Bader on waivers. Uh, I think there was a few other players from other teams that didn't get claimed, but those six, the five angels and then Harrison Bader were the big ones that uh, got placed on waivers. Able to be picked up by another team, and again, the way the waivers process works is it starts with the worst team in the re, uh, in the league, and then you move up until you get to the best team. And the you know worst team to claim a player would get the rights to that player. All these players that were placed on waivers were players that are free agents at the end of the year, right? So really there's no reason for a non-contending team to pick them up, right? If the A's pick up Harrison Bader, great. You get a month of Harrison Bader, you get nothing at the end of it. You just have to pay a salary and you'd probably be better off just uh, running out some rookies and seeing what you have there anyway. And so really the lowest ranked teams here that were going to claim players were the the Guardians, the Marlins, the Reds, the Twins, the Diamondbacks, right? Kind of all in that just below 500, just above 500 range. And I think to everybody's surprise, the Guardians claimed uh, four pitchers, I believe. They claimed uh, Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Renato Lopez. I think there's one other I'm forgetting here, but those three were the main three that they picked up. And so since they were the lowest ranking of the contenders of the teams that wanted to pick up players, they basically got first dibs at anybody they wanted. I was a little surprised they didn't try to get one of the bats, either Hunter Renfro, Randall Grichuk, especially Harrison Bader doesn't bring quite the bat of the other two, but you know where the Guardians issue all year has been hitting, not pitching, I was surprised to see them pick up the pitchers. Either way, they bolster their already very good bullpen and I think that's gonna help them a lot here down the stretch where they don't have a weak link, period, right? Every reliever the Twins face, Uh, against the Guardians is a player that the Twins would love to have in their 8th and ninth inning mix, essentially. That's just how the Cleveland pitching machine works. Giolito is another story where, you know, they had Noah Syndergaard. They just DFA'd him because he's just been so awful. He has not looked like himself at all. Giolito hasn't been great, but he's been better than Syndergaard, and they really need a fifth starter with uh, all the injuries they've had and all of the rookies they have that are performing so well. That last starting spot has really been a you know, black hole for them. And so Giolito, I don't think they're asking him to be, you know, the ace he was with the White Sox. They just need him to eat a few innings and he can do that as well as the best of them. And, uh, you know, knowing the Guardians, they'll probably get a little extra out of him as well. Uh, But, you know, there's a small part of me that thinks maybe the Guardians did this just to make sure none of those relievers got back to the Twins. I don't know if that's really the case, but you know the Guardians who are historically cheap—they have such a long shot to make it anyway. Their playoff odds are like five, six, seven percent, depending on where you look at it. Um, But you know, there's been some rumors. This is maybe uh, Terry Francona's final year, and so maybe it's just like, hey, Tito, we're gonna load up here and really give it one final push in your last year and see what we can do. Um, So we'll see. The Twins are gonna have some stiffer competition, but at the end of the day. These are also players that were placed on waivers because they're good and not great. If they're really great, right, there's there's a reason the the Angels didn't put Shohei Otani on waivers, right? Even though he's a free agent at the end of the year, he's a great elite player that everybody wants. And so these guys are good, but they're still fringe candidates. I think the, uh, it was reported that the Twins put in waivers on several players. None of them got to them. Um, and so obviously the Twins would have been happy to upgrade here as well, but Again, with the Guardians, the Marlins, and the Reds taking most of the players here. There just wasn't a lot left over by the time it got to the Twins. Surprisingly, the one player that didn't get claimed at all was Randall Grichuk, who is not a great player at this point in his career, but his league average, and he hits lefties exceptionally well, which would have made him an ideal fit for the Twins. Uh, but I think they were playing the waiver game here a little bit because part of the problem is if you claim a player and he gets to you, you have to add him to your roster, right? You can't just immediately DFA him again. You have to add him to your 40-man roster. And so it's possible the Twins were like, hey, we would prefer for Bayer or Renfro over Grichuk. And because of that, they're like, well, let's not claim Grichuk on the off chance that, hey, both Renfro and Grichuk made it down to the Twins. Now we have to make room for both of them when we really only wanted one of them. And you really put yourself in a tough spot, both 40-man-wise uh, and you know 26, 28-man roster-wise. So a little disappointing. Obviously, if you knew what everybody else was doing, the Twins probably would have claimed Randall Grichuk. But since you don't know, you kind of have just have to... Play that guessing game and hope for the best. Uh, and of course, the other big uh, personnel move here is with the rosters expanding to twenty-eight. The Twins obviously are able to add two more players. One of those was Funderburk. Uh, basically, uh, technically it was Brent Hedrick, but you know the real new kid on the block was Cody Funderburk, who's pitched fairly well so far. Outside of that, Cole Calhoun home run, and the other one was Andrew Stevenson, who is uh, twenty-nine years old. He's played quite a few years with the Nationals. He was last with them in 2021 and then has been just a Triple A player for the last two years, essentially. <coughs> What's interesting is with Andrew Stevenson, he didn't steal bases almost at all uh, as a major league player. He went to AAA last year and all of a sudden just became a... You know, stealing savant. He's running all over the place this year with the Guardians, or sorry, with the Saints. He also started hitting very, very well. He had a 9.16 OPS uh, with the St. Saint Paul Saints. Of course, that does need to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt, where offensive numbers this year uh, in Triple A because of the electronic strike zone have exploded. And so, you know, 9.16 OPS isn't necessarily what you think, but it's still very good for Triple A, all things considered. Um, And then he also had 44 stolen bases, right? And so he's a lefty, he's hitting well, uh, he's hitting... Um, decently enough essentially where you want to add him over somebody like Hilberto Celestino who's already on the roster uh, or maybe like Austin Martin who's maybe not as good of a defender out there but that's pretty much what Andrew Stevenson's role is going to be here is with Michael A. Taylor out now I would imagine he's starting out there in center most days uh, against righties most likely Willie Castro starting out there against lefties once Michael A. Taylor is back he should pretty much be the everyday center fielder again uh, maybe with a little bit of Buxton mixed in if he can get back healthy but uh, Stevenson is a good role player to have, and he's kind of the depth pieces we've talked about in the past that the Twins have missed before. Where, you know, he's a journey league, uh, a journeyman who has been in and out of the league. But you know, he finds a little bit of something in St. Paul, and you know, you don't need him to be a fixture in the middle of the line if he's going to hit seven, eight, nine most days. But you know, if he can get on base, if he can steal a few bases, like he already has, that's going to be a big asset for the Twins, uh, and makes him an important playoff asset potentially as well. Where, um, you know, if you're using him as a defensive replacement or a pinch runner, you really need someone who can go in and get you second base. That's what Stevenson is going to be there for, which is, uh, you know, a good role to have. It's Billy Hamilton last year, except he can actually hit a little bit. Uh, speaking of Michael A. Taylor and Byron Buxton, uh, let's move to the injury section of today's broadcast. Michael A. Taylor, again, to the injured list with a hamstring strain. It sounds like they're hoping this is going to be a minimal stay. Just get him off of it. It's been bothering him for a few weeks. And so they're hoping give him some rest, see what he can do. Uh, once he gets back, he's fully healthy and can really run and play that defense that we like to see from him. Uh, with him going on the injured list, Willie Castro was brought back, uh, from his oblique strain. We only saw him in one at bat, play a little bit of defense. Uh, We'll see how much the Twins want to use him if this was, you know, he was really ready or if it was more just that they had the roster spot and they needed to add somebody. Um, But, you know, Willie Castro, much like Andrew Stevenson, you don't want him in the middle of your lineup, but as a role player, he's exactly what the team needs. Uh, Alex Kirloff is playing really well on his rehab assignment down in AAA uh, with his shoulder. Again, the main thing at this point is pain management to really get it fixed. It sounds like he's going to need a, you know, a lengthy time off here in the offseason. But they wanted to try to get him back. And the big thing with him, like we mentioned last week, is, is he driving the ball? And so far he has. He has a couple home runs, a couple doubles. He's hitting the ball hard. That's what you like to see. It doesn't sound like he's going to be added to the roster for the Twins tomorrow uh, for the Cleveland Guardians series. But you never know. Uh, You know, crazier things have happened. But with his injury history, I know they want to be extra cautious with it. And, you know, you don't want him on the roster if he's not able to play every day or every other day at a bare minimum. Uh, Byron Buxton, on his rehab assignment, he did play in center field. He fielded a couple balls. Um, I'm not going to lie. Watching the highlights, he looked a little bit slow. Um, he came back in DH two games later and was removed halfway through that game with patellar tendon soreness. According to uh, you know some more medically inclined people that I uh, am in contact with, it sounds like this is not a crazy thing for somebody working back and with his uh, – knee injury in the past that that would be expected from somebody like Buxton but again you you never like to see hey setback here he's you know taking a few games off so we'll see if he plays at all this next week but time is running out here for Byron Buxton I think either way if it was you know playing in center field that maybe aggravated it a, a little bit more you're at the point right now with this roster where you need Byron Buxton in center field to be the best version of your team uh, with how well Julian Polanco and Royce Lewis are all playing, they're all hitting very, very well, and so you need them all in the game. And the only way really to do that at this point is one of them DHing. And so, you know, uh, while you would like to have Buxton back, I think you need Buxton back in center field at this point. And hopefully that can happen. You can get um, some reps in before the playoffs, and we can get Byron Buxton back. Um, The final injury update that we have for this week, uh, we talked about this last week. There's not really any new information. Chris Paddock, uh, Jorge Alcala, and Brock Stewart are all eyeing rehab assignments soon. It sounds like Paddock and Alcala, especially, maybe like this week will be able to start. Uh, Paddock was back with the Twins. He was speaking with media. He seems really excited and, you know, He has said, the Twins have said that his stuff looks better than ever. And so uh, obviously in those one-inning stints, it's going to be easier. But coming off of that surgery, I think that's really, really great. He's been sitting 96 with his fastball. They've said the slider has looked really good. Has had some good sharp break on it. And so that's the one piece I think that I'm looking at where that could be a game changer towards the end of this season and then into the playoffs. Uh, If Chris Paddock is really that one inning guy this year, I think long-term he's still going to start. But uh, this year, if that's what you get out of him, that's a huge, huge addition that the Twins desperately need. So again, this next week. It's Cleveland, it's Cleveland, it's Cleveland. That's all that matters. And then you have three games after that. So maybe it's not technically all that matters. But again, if you can take two out of three from Cleveland, you are in an excellent spot going into the the rest of the season. And then you have three against the Mets who traded away all their good players and they're basically tanking at this point. They got a lot of young guys that are up and playing, just trying to get some reps. And so I'm not super worried about the Mets, but they've been a little feisty. They've played fairly well. They're not, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel, Oakland A's type of team, but they're still games that the Twins should uh, win fairly easily. All right. First solo pod is done. I did it. I talked basically for 40 minutes straight here. I hope, uh, you know, there was something insightful here that you were able to learn. If not, thank you for listening anyway. I appreciate it. If it was the worst thing you've ever heard, worst thing you've ever heard, good news. John will be back next week and you won't have to listen to me babble for this long uh, in the future. Uh, be sure to check my workout over at Town if you like what you heard. Um, you know, we're doing some good stuff over there and we always appreciate all of the people we get in our comments, talking to us, you know, really, um, getting into everything there. It's a lot of fun to, you know, banter with some like-minded twins fans and have a little bit of fun, even if stuff isn't going great. Um, and be sure to check out John at PitcherList as well, uh, with us going into the fantasy baseball playoffs. I don't know if John has any great insightful fantasy tips for you, but, uh, I'll keep you posted just in case. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review. And we'll be back with you next week when hopefully the Twins have a commanding 10-game lead on the AL Central. See you then.